we have 150 years of history of seeing what God does when God's people go all in in sacrifice and service and love and faith to give their whole lives to Jesus. We have seen how God then works through those people to bless the church, the community, to bless the whole world. And right now, it's our generation's turn to go all in for Jesus, counting on God to create a legacy of ministry impact that will last for generations to come. This season is called Canada. Well, good morning, church. It is so good to be with you. Welcome to worship. We are so glad that you are here today. It's going to be a good day. Uh, listen, uh, today in our service, you will need your cannonball booklets. Maybe you brought yours with you from last week, or maybe you need one now. If you need one now, there should be people like look around you. You'll see somebody with a stack of booklets. Just wave a hand. Maybe you got one last week, but you didn't bring it back. Fine. We'll give you another one. You can give it to a friend or something. We want you to have one of these. We're going to be using these today uh, and bring them back with you in weeks to come. We'll be using them uh, throughout the whole Cannonball series. So grab one of those if you need one. Just get a hand up. Looks like we, need, we got a bunch. So um, we'll keep passing those out. If you're worshiping with us online and you need uh, to access a digital booklet, you got a QR code here we'll put on the screen. You can scan that in or you can go to the church website. You can also access the booklet digitally. Uh, before I jump in, I want to make sure you've got February 18th on your calendar. Uh, this is going to be a super, super fun night. February 18th, Advanced Commitment Night. This is going to be the first chance for those of us that are ready to make our commitment to Cannonball and the whole Cannonball season, our first chance to make that commitment on February 18th. It's going to be a super uh, special night. We're doing it over at Milligan in their Fieldhouse gym. Uh, the, and uh, the, the upstairs, the gym, is going to be all gorgeous. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun. We're on worship. We're going to have some food afterwards. It's going to be a great time. Uh, the reason we're doing it there, though, I know you're wondering why there is because in the basement of the Steve Lacey Fieldhouse is a swimming pool. And we, and so after the event, those brave souls who want to do an actual cannonball can. So I expect you all to arrive in your swimsuits, all right? So I'm going to be going in. I hope you will be too. So that is February 18th. It's going to be a really special night, uh, and it'll end with a lot of fun. So make sure you're there uh, for that. Uh, also, I want to just say a special thank you to those of you who are doing the things we have to do in this season to make room for one another. Um, so dozens of you uh, today remembered to park down in the Mount Castle Central or across the street. And I will let you know, though, we could have a couple dozen more of you do that. Um, parking is getting really hard, especially for our third hour as you all linger over coffee or head to Sunday school. The group that arrives the next hour sometimes has trouble finding parking. So if you know where the Mount Castle lot is or the lots across the street and you have the capacity to park there and walk, 
please do so. That makes a big difference. Also, a special shout out to the people who right now are worshiping in the CLC. Um, the only reason we have elbow room in here is because of the people worshiping down there. And as you look around and think to yourself, oh, we're, we have less elbow room in here than we used to. And we do. Maybe you want to go join the brave souls down in the CLC. If you don't know what that means and you want directions, come find me after the service. I'll talk to you about what that means. But basically, we've got a simulcast at the other end of the building. It's happening at the same time. They hear all the same experience live. Uh, it makes a big difference, though. So thank you to those of you who are doing that. And if you want to join them, you're welcome to do that. Uh, last week, we said that the whole cannonball experience starts with a jump. And we talked about how when Jesus meets people, one of his most com consistent conversations is how they have to let go of everything so that they can follow him and that following Jesus is not sort of one of the things we add into an otherwise busy life as if you know so hey what do you do well I, I work and I've got kids and I've got some hobbies and I follow Jesus and I do a bunch of different things no but following Jesus is the thing that rules over all those other things. Following Jesus is a cannonball all in, jump off the diving board deep into the water kind of commitment. And I know for a lot of us, last week's message was hard. It was, it was hard for me because we were forced to confront all those things that maybe we hold on to in a way that makes it hard for us to go all in with Jesus. And, and so I, I want to talk a little more about the jump today. The, the jump that starts a cannonball, the jump that begins this all-in journey with Jesus. Uh, but today I want to talk uh, not about the letting go part of the jump. That's what we talked about last week. But I want to talk about what are we jumping into because that makes a big difference, right? Well, you know, you'll, jump a, a, you'll jump a lot farther into water than you will into rock. You know. What you're jumping into affects your willingness and readiness to jump. And I, I want to talk about that today. If you've got one of those booklets, um, turn to page 13 and 14. Because that's where we talk about the jump. And I want you to think about what we're jumping into when we make a cannonball commitment to Jesus, when we go all in in following Jesus, when we fully surrender to Jesus, what exactly are we jumping into? You, you see on page 13 that it says, the first goal for this cannonball, this two-year cannonball experience, our first goal for this experience is 100% is engagement. That every single one of us Maybe it's your first time here today. If it is, welcome. We're so glad you're here. I'm talking about you. Our goal for you is that you and everybody else would go all in, make a 100% commitment to Jesus over the next two years. That These next two years will be a, a season of deeper surrender to Christ than they've ever had before. And then if you look on the other page, page 14, look with me there you'll see it talks about what are we jumping into. Because again, it matters. 
You can be a lot braver. You can be a lot bolder about a great big jump if you know what you're jumping into. And the first thing we're jumping into is we're jumping into a posture of faith. Look at some of those questions there. What area of life are you holding back and needing to release in full surrender to Jesus? What step do you need to take that moves you into a place of greater dependence on God? Is your life marked by radical obedience? Demonstrating that you are being conformed to the image of Christ. You look a little bit more like Jesus every day rather than looking a little bit more like your neighbors and the world. I, today's sermon is super simple. I just want to try to help you understand what you're getting into. What, is it, what does it mean to, to jump into faith? To kind of live deeper in the experience of faith? You know, I'll tell you one thing it would mean. It would mean that you would be fully known and fully loved by God. When you are really living in a place of trust, when you're deep in the waters of trust, you are fully known and fully loved. And that's such a rare thing. Some of you here today, you are terrified of being fully known by the people in your life because you think if they knew me, if they knew what was going on in my life, they would never love me. They would, if they really knew about, you know, what goes on in my head, the thought, hey, you knew what I was thinking, oh, you know. And some of you are so afraid. For some of us, it starts when we're kids, right? We hide from our parents because we're worried if our parents knew, they wouldn't love us. Or we hide from our spouse or we hide from our friends. We, we looked last week at that story where, where Jesus tells the young man that he has to give up everything in order to follow Jesus. That's a pretty big call, I know. But remember what happened just before that. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. That's the first thing you find out when you are just soaked in trusting Jesus is that Jesus knows you and loves you. A second thing you'll find out when you jump into faith, just say, I want to live in a posture of trusting God. You'll find out that God's goodness is better than your goodness and God's wisdom is better than your wisdom. When you're living in a place of trust, you'll discover that just the most logical thing in the world is to say, God, I'll do it your way, not mine. It just, just suddenly, it makes sense. It's like Jesus prayed in the garden, God, not my will, but yours be done. And if you really have gotten to a place where you're sort of floating and swimming in the waters of trust, then that's actually a really logical, reasonable thing to pray. God, we're just going to do it your way. 
It's not what I wanted. It's not what I hoped for. It's not what I wished for. It's not what I prayed for. It's not what I dreamed of. It's what you're doing, and we're just going to do it your way, and, and I trust you, and I'm really ticked about it, God, because this wasn't what I wanted, um, but I, I trust you. That's why this jump into faith is something you have to do just all the time. All the time, day after day after day after day, you've got to say, okay, God, I'm going to live like I trust you. I'm going to live like I believe all those songs I sang on Sunday. I'm just going to, I'm just going to trust you. When you jump into faith, when those are the waters you've dropped into, you discover that holding on to trusting Jesus is so much more fun than holding on to trusting yourself. It's just amazing. You see, you know, before you jump, when you're holding on to something and you've put your trust in that instead of Jesus, you know what, maybe it's, maybe it's wealth or skill or family or reputation, but you're trusting something. Before you jump, you're just filled with so much anxiety and fear because you know that the thing you're putting trust in isn't actually worth trusting. Eventually, you will let yourself down. That's the crazy thing. You can't trust other people. They're awful. And you can't trust yourself because you're worse. And, and so uh, as long as you're holding on to that, it's just so anxiety. But then you trust Jesus. And he's worthy. And he's faithful. And he's reliable. And he proved it by rising from the dead. It's a completely different, a completely different way of operating in the world. Apostle Paul wrote to the Roman church, he was trying to explain this difference in attitude of when you're trusting yourself or when you're trusting Jesus. He says like this, he says, I don't even do the good I want to do. And the evil I don't want to do, that's what I do. Here, here's the rule for me. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. In my inner being, I delight in God's law. But there's another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind, making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Trusting in me, he says. Oh my goodness, if I were trusting in me, I would be a wreck because I'm a wreck. But then he remembers where his trust is. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. When I trust in myself, my life is dominated by my failure and my weakness. And when I put all my trust in Jesus... My life is dominated by his forgiveness and his power. I guess that's just it. When I trust in myself, the most important thing about me is my weakness. When I trust in Jesus, the most important thing about me is his power. Like it's just completely different. Last thing I would say is when I really jump into faith, I discover that I am not an orphan after all. But I am a welcome, beloved, eternally belonging child of God. Is what Paul says to the Galatian church. So in Christ Jesus, 
you're all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have been clothed with Christ. You're not Jews and Gentiles, slave and free, male and female. No, you're all Christ. Now, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendant, inheritors of the promise. That's the water we swim in when we say, I want to jump into faith. That's why some of you as a part of Cannonball need to make the decision to be baptized, to be immersed into Christ, to say, I'm, I'm, I'm putting all my eggs in his basket because all the other baskets I, I found to put my eggs in aren't very good baskets. I'm putting all my eggs in Jesus' basket. Everything, I'm going to trust him for everything. Look again, back in your booklets on, on page 14. Look at some of those questions. What area of life are you holding back and needing to release in full surrender to Jesus? What next step do you need to take that moves you to a place of greater dependence on God? Maybe you're at a place where you need to say, not my will, but yours be done. Boy, we, all the time, we just got to recognize, God, your wisdom is better than my wisdom. Your way is better than my way. Your goodness is better than my goodness. So I'm going to trust you more than I trust myself. Is your life marked by a radical obedience demonstrating that you are being conformed to the image of Christ and not to the image of the world? That's the first thing we get to jump into. We jump into faith. The next place that we land in this cannonball jump, the the waters that receive us when we say, I'm going to let go of everything else and only hold on to Jesus, is the jump into life. Look with me there. Will you commit in these two years to live the DNA as a follower of Jesus who loves God, loves everyone, makes disciples, and tells your story? Will you pray for the impact of FCC? Will you ask God that together we could leave a legacy for the next 50 years like those who've come before us have done? You need to recognize that the jump into life is the logical next step to the jump into faith. The jump into life is the logical next step. If you really trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, Creator, then it makes sense that you would trust Jesus to direct your steps and teach you how to live. In fact, I will just confess for a minute. I'm always a little bit embarrassed by the logic of my disobedience. I don't know about your disobedience. I just mean my disobedience. Now, obviously, I should be embarrassed by the disobedience itself, and I'll work on that. But for today, what I'm really embarrassed about is the logic of my disobedience. Because I actually believe all this stuff. I believe the world was made by God. I believe that Jesus is the savior of the universe, died on a cross, rose from the dead. I I believe all of it. So when I disobey God, here's the logic that I'm using. It sounds something like this. God, I think you're the author of heaven and earth. God, I think you're wiser than all that has ever been or ever will be. God, I think you have good intentions for my life. Yet, nevertheless, I plan to ignore you and do things my way. Like, that is embarrassing logic. In contrast, the logic of obedience makes perfect sense. 
God, I believe you're the creator of all that is. God, I believe that you love me and made me and know me better than I know myself. God, I believe that your desires for me are good desires. Therefore, even when your commands make no sense, obedience is the most logical choice. That's the actual logic that should govern my life. It's the logic of Romans 12. I love Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters... In view of God's mercy. He says, if you're staring the mercy of God, if you're just clearly looking at the mercy of God, then everything else he's about to say makes sense. If you're staring at the truth of the mercy of God, well, then it makes sense. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve God's good and pleasing and perfect will. It just makes sense, he says. Around here, when we talk about jumping into life, we start with what we call the DNA of FCC. These are some of the most basic and often repeated commands that Jesus gives us. And for us, it all starts with Jesus. And if Jesus is going to keep giving us these four commands, we're like, okay, we're going to start there. Uh, You can find these commands in several places. Uh, The first two, the most easy place to find them is in Mark chapter 12. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given a good answer. He asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. That's where the DNA of FCC starts. We say we want to love God as worshipers and love everyone as servants. We want to live this way because this is the way Jesus himself models for us. It's the way he lived, but it's also the way he commands us to live. And if you're all in with Cannonball, one of the things I want you wrestling with is how are you over the next two years going to grow in your obedience to those two commands? How are you at the end of two years when you say, I'm more of a worshiper today than I was two years ago? I'm more of a servant today than I was two years ago. And you can just expect, if you hang around FCC, we're going to be elbowing each other all the time. Somebody's going to poke you in the ribs and say, hey, you loving God? Hey, you loving everyone? Right? Love Month starts the, today. Today's the first Sunday of Love Month. Some of you have been signing up for the past few weeks. Why do we do Love Month? Well, so that we can poke each other in the ribs and say, hey, this is who we are. Love everyone as servants. The, the first event of Love Month actually is today. We need your help. Um, we've identified, uh, I don't know, Kathy got some list of people that are in the VA hospital, that are shut-ins, widows, in various nursing homes. We got hundreds of names of people that don't get a lot of correspondence, and we want to bless them with a note. And so we got a note-writing party today. You could, you could do it today, right after the service. Just walk straight down the stairs, go to the library, and write a note. We're, we're trying to write like... Uh, 
I don't know, several hundred today. So we need a lot of help. So even if you've got a Sunday school class later, you've got time. Just run down the stairs, write one note, and then go to Sunday school. And a bunch of us do it. We'll be done before, probably, let's, let's make it so a third service doesn't even get to help. Wouldn't that be awesome? Y'all write so many notes, third service doesn't even get to, to do it. That'd be great. Um, why do we do that? Why, why do we do that? Announce this and do it? It's because w- w- this is who we are. This is how we want to live. We don't want to talk about this life. We want to jump into this life and actually live this way. The, the next two elements, the DNA, easiest place to find them is in Matthew 28. Uh, this is after Jesus has risen from the dead. He's met his disciples. He's demonstrated that he is truly and really alive. And he says, hey, I want to meet you to give you some instruction. And so they meet up. Matthew 28, verse 16. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Boy, I love that verse. That verse is such a help to my soul because that's us. That's us right this minute. We're a room full of people worshiping him and some of us have doubts. We've got questions. That, that's us. That's us. And to that room, a room full of people trying to worship Jesus, but also with some questions and doubts and struggles and concerns and confusions, to those people, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That rhythm, baptizing and teaching, baptizing, that's bringing new people into a commitment to Christ. Teaching, that's training people up as disciples of Jesus. Those are the next two elements of our DNA. We say we want to make disciples as disciples, and we want to tell our story as missionaries. And not just any story, but tell the story of God's faithfulness and goodness in our lives. Give our testimony. And this is it. If, if you want to jump into life, this will mark your life. Uh, maybe for some of you, the, 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 thing, the first thing you need to jump into is jump into the rhythm of discipleship. You need to be in a group. Janet will be up here later and give you some more information about how to get in groups. But show up on Wednesday nights. Go to a Sunday school class. Grab curriculum. Launch your own group. We have a, we've had a bunch of cannonball groups launched in the last couple of weeks. I am praising God for that. It's not too late. You could launch one this week. We will equip you. Gather some friends. Study this together. Say, I want to go all in with Jesus, and I want to help my friends do the same. But this work of discipleship is the work we must do. It's not optional for, the, for God's church or God's people. Uh, I, I love what's happening in our children's and student ministry right now. Those ministries are growing. We've got more kids showing up, more students showing up, and it's awesome. But that also means we need more disciplers investing in them. And if you, if you, like me, ever like to spend your morning at Bojangles complaining with all the old timers about kids these days, they're the worst. And I agree, there are the worst. But if you're complaining about it, but you're not in the game trying to bless them and teach them and love them, well, then maybe you should stop complaining and get in the game. Go change some diapers. Go sit with a middle schooler who's confused about life and pray for them and play some nine square with them. We need people. This is it. Make disciples. And we need missionaries. This is part of why I'm so excited about the two-year aspect of Cannonball. 
okay? It's a two-year season of jumping in with Jesus. Because I think sometimes, I mean, I obviously, I preach about this DNA stuff a lot. It is. It's who we are as a church. Love God. Love everyone. Make disciples. Tell our story. It's who we are. But sometimes I notice that, like, especially when I talk about tell your story, be a missionary, people will be like, oh, man, that sounds really good, and I'd love to do that, but uh, I'm already busy this afternoon, or I don't know anybody who really doesn't know about Jesus. I don't know who I would tell my story to. Okay, great. You got two years. Maybe you don't have a plan for today, but you could get there in two years. What if you decided in this two-year season, I'm going to join a club or, you know, go start working at the senior center or, you know, go trivia night at a coffee house. I'm going to go meet some people who don't know. Remember that thing we said about how Jesus looked at him and loved him? Do you know there are people in the world that don't know that God knows them and loves them? What a terrible thing to have it be true that the creator of heaven and earth knows you and loves you, but not know it. You got two years. Hopefully that two-year window creates some urgency in your life, but also gives you a vision of possibility that you could do it. You could actually become a missionary. That's the next thing you're jumping into. When you say, I am all into Jesus, you are jumping into the life that he gives you. All right, go back with me to page 14 in your booklets. Maybe you want to think about those questions some more. I want you to look at this last piece of what we're jumping into. The final jump of Cannonball is the jump into generosity. It says this, as you deepen your understanding of the love and provision of God, are you moving toward an eternal perspective on all of your time, all of your talents, all of your treasures, do, does the way that you give truly reflect the priority Jesus should have in your life? That question's worded intentionally. I want to be clear. The way you give today does reflect the priority of Jesus in your life. Okay? You may wish it didn't. You're like, no, Jesus is super important to me. I just happen to not give. No, the way you give today, in fact, reflects how important Jesus is in your life. The question is asking, does the way you give today ref- does it re- the priority Jesus should have in your life? Or is there a gap there the, between the priority you want Jesus to have and the way you currently give to God's work? Will you make a legacy gift, a full commitment designed to partner with God in waves of ministry impact? What's your next step of obedience in this area? This is why one of the things we're doing in Cannonball is we're filling out these commitment cards, right? You've gotten them in various ways. We'll pass them out again. Uh, like we said, the first chance to use those will be February 18th. We'll, then we'll offer the whole church on March 3rd. Why do commitment cards as part of a discipleship initiative? Well, because part of discipleship is sitting down, getting serious with God about the, 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 your capacity for generosity. And if you're going to actually move to a place of sacrifice or if you're going to stay in a place of selfishness, that is part of discipleship. Jesus makes this very clear. It's in the Sermon on the Mount, his biggest, most famous sermon, uh, Matthew chapter 6. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. 
where you invest your wealth, your heart will be attached. If you invest your wealth in your home, your heart will be attached to your home. If you invest your wealth in the stock market, your heart will be attached to the stock market. If you invest your wealth in the kingdom of God, your heart will be attached to the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus teaches us. And many of us ignore this principle and we wonder, why am I not fully invested in the work of God? Well, it's because we're not fully invested in the work of God. And Jesus just said, it just works this way. He concludes that message in verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is teaching us that what we do with our money can either put us in a posture of submission and trust with God, or it can put us in a posture of rebellion against God. So what should we do? Well, well, Paul writes uh, to Timothy to to help him understand what the jump into generosity looks like. He says this, 1 Timothy chapter 6, Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. That's a really clear warning to us, church. Those who want to get rich fall into a trap. So what do we do? Verse 17, he says, So command those who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. You see how it comes full circle. It's about trust. Are you jumping into trusting God with your life, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Jumping into generosity feels really risky. It does. In fact, that, that would be the message of our world, that the safe thing is to hold on to your wealth, and the risky thing is to give it away. You know, any, any good financial advisor, the safe thing is to hold on, risky, give away. And Jesus says it's exactly the opposite. Jesus says the riskiest thing we can do is to hold on to our wealth because it anchors our heart in the world, and the world is passing away. And he says the most secure thing we can do is to invest our wealth in the work of God's kingdom, because it anchors our heart in what is eternal. Following Jesus starts with a jump. He says, if anyone wants to follow me, they must leave everything they have, take up their cross, and become my disciple. And that's scary, that it starts with a jump. But if you know what you're jumping into, it takes a little edge of a little of the edge of the fear away from me. Because I know what I'm jumping into is I'm jumping into trust. I'm jumping into a place where God can be relied on. I'm jumping into life, the thing for which God made me. And I'm jumping into generosity, which unanchors my heart from a dying world and anchors my life 
to an eternal Savior. I just want you to think about if you are ready to jump. My friend Greg is ready to jump. I want you to hear a little bit of his story. Well, my name's Greg Hunt. Uh, Pam and I came to FCC about three years, a little longer, and it was during the pandemic and we were just having a hard time finding the church. And we started watching First Christian Church online. And then when we really got going back to church on a regular basis and stuff, we started visiting First Christian Church and just fell in love with the love everyone aspect. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you look like. Um, we're gonna love you here and you're gonna be welcome here at First Christian Church. You know, my first experience of walking through the doors was uh, a men's breakfast and just met some wonderful guys there that just made me feel so welcome. And through that, I've really gotten involved in a men's group. And those guys have just, uh, they've become brothers. Uh, they have become somebody that I walk through life with on a daily basis. And that has meant so much to me and my growth as a Christian because through that accountability, through that men's group, uh, I see what God's doing in my life and the excitement that I have to serve this church. And I want this for them. I want them to be uh, excited about what God is doing for them. I feel like that I'm obligated to spread the good news uh, to the people in Johnson City, the community in Johnson City. And I have not found any better way to do that than to support First Christian Church. I give to FCC and because I'm given to God. And I see what FCC does with it. It's so exciting to see the ministries and how we give back as a church to the community. It's real easy for me to feel comfortable with giving my money to this church because of what I see in action every day. We offer the good news to everyone. We love everyone and we're active in the community. We're not paying uh, lip service to love, we're doing it in action. As it says in 1 John 3:18, I love that verse, don't love with words, but love with action and truth. And that's what I see happen here at First Christian Church. And I know what we can do as a church that could leave a legacy in this community in East Tennessee. Not me leaving a legacy as Greg, but First Christian Church leaving a legacy. And I think through this Cannonball Initiative, we can do that. That's the reason I want to give financially, I want to give uh, with everything I do in the community, I want to work through First Christian Church because I believe in what we're doing is that we're just not talking about it, we're actually doing it. This year, that I, I had an amount in mind that I wanted to give and really thought about it. And it, was, it, it, it wasn't significant to, to First Christian Church, but it was significant to me. And uh, the owner of my company um, called me and, I mean, this was within 24 hours of making this decision. And uh, he said, we really appreciate what you've done for us and uh, we're gonna give you a year-end bonus. And uh, <laughs> it's amazing to me how God did that because I had made that decision, hadn't talked to anybody about it except for my wife. And here 
the money is given back to me plus a whole lot more. You know, and that's just the way God works in our lives. That's the way God provides for us. And sometimes it's not all, all roses as the old saying is. Sometimes there's struggles. And, but through those struggles, uh, God's still working in our life. Previously in my life, when something bad would happen, I'd say, you know, God, what did I do wrong? You know, why are you punishing me? But over the last few years, I've got a much different perspective on that. Uh, when things happen like that, when challenges face me, I'm not like, what, what are you punishing me for, God? I'm like, God, why are you trying to teach me? I want to invest my time. I want to invest my money. I want to invest every energy I've got. Not only am I passionate about it, but I'm eager to do it and I'm obligated to do it. I've learned you can't outgive God. <laughs>